Welcome back to the Pool Pro Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify to be notified when a new episode comes out. On today's episode, Larry Lagamba from Pool Boy Corp describes mastering leak detection. You're not going to want to miss it. Welcome back to the Pool Pro Podcast. This is Michelle Cavanaugh with my guest co-host today, President of Robco Water, Rob Stewart in the Ottawa area. Thanks so much for being on today, Rob. Thank you for having me. It's very nice to be back. This podcast is all about Canada, which is exciting because it's a country I, it, that is dear to my heart and I love. So our guest today is a cross between a criminology degree and swimming pools. And what do you get when you cross those two things? A leak detective. President of Pool Boy Corp. It is Larry Lagamba. Larry, welcome. Thanks for having me. So excited to have you here. Today, we're going to talk about leak detection. It's a topic that I know Rob does too, I believe, up in the Ottawa area. So it's something we want to talk about. We are excited, like I said, to have Larry here today. So Larry, tell us a little bit, because I read a little bit about your background on LinkedIn, and I know that you started out in the swimming pool or the aquatics industry very, very young. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about your background. I know none of it makes any sense. Uh, give me a sec to clarify. So yeah, we've been involved in aquatics, my brother and I, like ever since we were kids, right? Went through the paces, lifeguarding and all that. Did lifeguarding, I think, for about two weeks or something before I saw that that wasn't for me. And then ended up getting a job at a hotel, which at the time, and Rob, you might know this, uh, you might know of this hotel anyway, uh, was the biggest hotel in Canada. They had two swimming pools, right? And this was a place that had heavy traffic. So it was at that point where I learned a lot about maintenance uh, and just basic servicing. So water testing, vacuuming, backwashing, water balancing and all that. Uh, That was in 2004. In 2007, that's when I started the company up. And that was basically just a service company, just a small service company, just doing open and closing, simple repairs, uh, weekly maintenance, right? And then in 2008, uh, it was a gentleman that actually worked uh, for a distributor that I used to go get my maintenance equipment and chemicals from who recommended that I get into the leak detection side of things, right? So I did that and bought my first kit 2008 from Anderson Manufacturing in St. Paul, Minnesota, not to be confused with Anderson Manufacturing, the gun distributor and manufacturer, <laughs> even though even though that would probably be an interesting mix, given that they would probably put the holes in the pools and we would find them, so it would be a good partnership. But, yes. uh, yeah, so basically got, got the kit uh, at that time and just started kind of playing with it and, and kind of learning the ins and outs. It was a self-taught enterprise in the beginning, uh, kind of obviously with whatever resources I had at the time, a lot of trial and error, basically. Uh, and it was, a, like I mentioned, gentleman that used to do that work prior to him getting into retail that recommended it to me. And he worked, he worked for a company that, well, it was a pool company that specialized in detection. So started that. And at the time when I got the equipment, it was because I was living at home, right? Like I was, I was pretty young at the time. I mean, I'd like to think I'm, I'm young now, even though I'm probably not, that's okay. Uh, so, <laughs> me too. Yeah. But uh, if we could use the filters on this to help us with that. But uh, <laughs> So the, the, the genesis of it was when I was getting the equipment at the time, it was like, at least I'm going to say the initial kit I bought was about six, $7,000. So that wasn't a popular decision in my household because I think it would probably been equated to me buying like a magic bag of beans because <laughs> leak, leak detection equipment, like what the, like what the heck are you going to do with this? Right. So I had to fight a bit of that, like at the home front type of thing uh, to kind of just convince even though it was my money, right? But obviously my parents like to be in my business, but that, anyway, it is what it is. 
they they didn't see the value in it, right? So slowly started off. And then within a couple of years, uh, it became the main service offering to the point of it becoming the only service offering. So leak, leak detection, underwater repairs for residential commercial pools. And a big segment that's, I guess, emerging now is the underwater repairs and inspections, especially for commercial properties, right? So main drain, VGB stuff, uh, we get called like an emergency basis for a couple of uh, municipalities and their pools if their if their drains are are broken. Obviously, they they need to get things back up to tip top shape and reopened uh, before before obviously start getting a lot of complaints from patrons, right? So right. that's been that's been a big part of things because obviously the leak detection part of it kind of went into the scuba part of it, which now has kind of merged itself into into both. Um, yeah, so nothing really to deal with criminology or any of that fun stuff it just right it yeah. was kind of it's kind of cool the bad guys just happen to be the leak yeah exactly versus, exactly you know somebody else right exactly that's it that's it. it do you can you do some training for leak detection how do you actually you know educate yourself in this area so the good thing is nowadays that training is a little bit more readily available like it wasn't necessarily back then uh back then you're kind of going off you had more trial and error yeah, you're probably using the instruction manuals, instruction guides from the equipment and playing around with that. There was like a slideshow that uh, that came with the kit at the time that I got it from Anderson Manufacturing. They have now since posted all their information online and do have in-person training uh, and do a lot of seminars at, uh, at uh, their trade shows. So one of them, which I was actually happy to be a part of last year, which was at uh, Atlantic City, was the, the Nespa show. I was, I was fortunate to be there as one of their expert panelists with uh, two um, co-panelists as well. And then obviously Lance, uh, Lance Anderson from uh, Anderson Manufacturing and Brad Madison as well. So that was, uh, that was basically a three hour, that was about a three hour seminar. And we went over, you know, we obviously can't go through everything given obviously the fact that there's just so much to this, but we went through quite a bit uh, to kind of give you a pretty good base of obviously some of the theories and some of the practices of, of what leak detection is. My first question uh, that I actually had on my list was, you know, like what sort of equipment do you because there use because there are different manufacturers out there with leak detecting equipment. Sure. Um, the stuff that we use is also from Anderson. I do have some stuff from Leaktronics. Yep. Um, but I I do prefer. Uh, I have to say the Anderson equipment, it's a little bit more streamlined, uh, a little bit easier to use. Um, and, uh, but do you have a preference? I mean, have you ever used anything other than the, the Anderson stuff? I have, uh, I do say that Anderson will probably be my go-to as well. Like I do prefer working with their equipment as well. The way that I look at it is like being in this, in this part of the industry, you're almost like a general manager and a coach of an, like a sports franchise, right? And you're evaluating the different stuff and the different techniques and the different equipment and components. I like Anderson. It fits what I do best. I do have some electronics equipment. I'm getting more into like thermal imaging. And I actually was, was talking to a gentleman uh, from Utah earlier today about uh, acoustic imaging and demoing that for them for this purpose as well, but more, more, on the lines of yeah, I, I find that Anderson does does have more of like a one-stop shop type situation. Now, if you're doing commercial and residential, obviously you're dealing with concrete pools as well as vinyl sure. liners and stuff like that. Sure. Where would you start, like on a concrete pool? I mean, let's let's take the plumbing issues out of it. All right. Sure. Uh, so let's let's say that there's a leak in the shell somewhere like that. Where would you start in order to track that down? So what I would probably get into first and foremost is obviously 
I don't know if you have the leakalyzer, which is a rapid water loss sensor. So to be able to determine whether or not the shell itself is leaking in a concrete gunite blaster situation is I would probably isolate the plumbing out of it, plug that all off and run that computer, right? That computer will tell you definitively if there is an issue in that, in that structure or not. And if that is, hydrophones are a good bet on those. Uh, tend to find quite a bit from, uh, from an actual structural leakage standpoint with a hydrophone and then back up with dye and scuba. That's been my go-to on those. Always have to be prepared to, to don the scuba gear. Like I always, you know, to me, it's, that's actually the best part of the job, but that's what helps kind of further confirm things uh, from obviously the computer standpoint and the hydrophone standpoint. Okay, so for people who aren't familiar with what a hydrophone is, it's basically an underwater microphone, um, mm. which is, it is very, very, uh, very sensitive. Yeah. Um, and when you get close to an area that's leaking, you're going to hear a rush, almost like a train sort of thing. That's so right. Once you find something that's suspicious, then you then you dive it and use dye or exactly it. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. and there's there's no there's no issue finding your your problems like that. Uh, no, we do leak detection. I shy away from the concrete pools because I'm just not that familiar with them. Like our market where I am, I don't do anything other than residential. Right. Makes so sense. I don't have very much exposure to concrete. So I just sort of pass concrete leaks over to somebody else. Right. Understood. So um, now the diving aspect, you just get in there with, uh, with some dye and, and just confirm what you're finding. Exactly. And once you yeah. find it, then what do you do? Do you actually initiate the repair? So what I'll do in, I mean, especially in the commercial end of things, what happens there is I'll give, I'll give a couple of options. Like I'll, I'll video, I'll photo, all that so that I can report that to whomever has obviously hired us if it's a if it's another company or if it's the actual people at the at the facility themselves. Uh, I do give them obviously the option to fix things up temporarily because there's only so many things you could do underwater and like if it's an epoxy sealant or what have you. It's a bit 50-50 as to whether or not they actually go for that or not. Um, but no that that type of stuff like if you want to get into like you know, saw cutting and, and injecting and all that, like cementing, like that, I don't touch no. Okay. Yeah. And what about underground? Like, let's say you do isolate it to an underground uh, piping issue. Yeah. Do you do the cutting and digging or do you pass that on to a company that specializes in that kind of work? So that we used to do those, right? I used to do quite a few of them myself. Uh, and then I started basically passing that off and subbing that out to other contractors. Just because what happens is you end up getting so tied into the detection and the things that, yeah. I mean, if you're doing a repair, like you could be in there, you know, three hours, sometimes even longer if things get tricky. If you're trying to balance both, it gets extremely difficult if you have other jobs on the docket to do for detections. So that's, that's how, and also the other thing is it does kind of, wear you down physically and that was where i started getting a lot of injuries including you know knee back neck shoulder so yeah yeah so the the next thing that i was curious about do you apply these leak detection services for say above ground pools absolutely yeah so the main things there, obviously, you're dealing with bug rub pools with exposed plumbing, so you're not going to get into pressure testing that unless sometimes you run to cases where they're underground. Uh, you would use the leak track, which is the vinyl liner scanner on a, an above ground pool. Now, what I do run into often is obviously, I always tell customers, from an above ground pool standpoint, we can locate the issues, not a problem. 
it's being able to repair it effectively. Because sometimes I find the above ground pool bases are very uneven. So you might put up, or you might have, for example, a part of the frame that's sticking out and popping into the, uh, into the liner, right? Or what's more common in the States, from what I understand, I've actually seen it a bit up here where I am, is insect damage, termite damage, where you see essentially, like I even seen like 60 holes around the immediate perimeter of the pool, uh, all in the same height, same areas more or less caused by, caused by insects. So yes, from a detection standpoint, that electronic liner scanner will locate the issues. Repair standpoint, obviously, like patching, I always tell customers that it's 50-50. It's and do you use the diving as a first line uh, response? <clears throat> like, have, have because uh, in the Ottawa area where I'm from, I know it's different than the Toronto area where you're yeah. from, but up here in Ottawa, everybody has this idea, hey, listen, we'll just bring a diver in. We'll have somebody dive the pool and find the leak. Exactly. Uh, I try and discourage people from doing that. I just, I don't find that there's much value to it, especially when you're equipped with a leak track. Of course. You know what I mean? Like in my case, a leak track will find a pinhole in the liner that you can't even see. Even if yeah. the liner is thin, like yes. really thin in the spot, it'll it'll show a, a, a light uh, reading. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you're diving the pool, you can see it. You yeah. won't be able to find it unless it's like massive. And if it's that big, you can find it without diving. Yeah, exactly. And you see the thing is like these patterns have, have evolved so much over the years where you went from your simple, like your plain colors to now all these elaborate colors to where if you were to try to dive some, some of those pools, your eyes would be spinning out of their eye sockets like in, in like five minutes. So yeah, the leak, the leak track really does save you in a lot of situations, even in cold water situations. But what I will say is like every single, like leak track's amazing. I love it every single tool has its, has its limitation, right? And there've been cases where you do a sweep and then you see, okay, well, nothing comes up, right? Check, you check your connections, check your ground connections. You have good batteries and all that. And you, you don't draw anything. And then at that point, I'll run maybe a legalizer test if I haven't done so already, depending on where I'm at in, in the situation. And if I still see a drop at that point, I'm gonna dive the pool and do a visual. Every once in a blue moon, there's something that I catch there that, that wasn't obviously indicated on that uh, on that liner sweep with the leak track. So, yeah. so, so given that, what's the craziest leak that you ever found? Yes. Okay, well, here's one. Okay, so this past this past uh, season, I'm gonna say it was in August. So, situation where it was through a pool company, they sent us out. They did a liner install two years ago, and they were dead set on it being a liner issue. So they plugged everything, they plugged stair jets, plugged skimmer, plugged the main pool returns. There was a bottom drain that was active to the pump, didn't, wasn't plugged and that's important to mention because it does play a big part in this. So they plugged everything off and they still saw that the pool was losing the same amount of water, pump on, pump off, okay? So they are already pointing the, flood, pointing the finger at structural liner steps, something to do with what this gentleman worked on. So we did our testing, nothing's coming up. What was happening there was, keep in mind, so the pump is set up, two valves in front of the pump intake. So you had skimmer suction, you had drain suction. Those were left open when they were doing the pump off, plugged off test and everything. What was happening was, it was actually the skimmer line that had a really bad leak in it that surprisingly wasn't really drawing much air when it was operating, which I've seen before. Um, the water was going through the drain into the pump and siphoning out the leak that way. 
So we did that. We, we did static tests on it just to confirm that and when everything shut off, that wasn't happening. When I had everything on, you could see the leak basically tracking from the drain uh, suction line in and out through to that skimmer line. Once they fix that skimmer issue, the skimmer line issue, it was 100%. They didn't have any problems right. after that. Yeah. But it was, it was a weird one, especially trying to explain that to homeowner and a service company, right? Where you kind of think more linearly in the sense that, okay, well, you plug this, this is what's happening. This is what the problem is. Uh, another one, which is which is important to know, uh, this was, I'm going to say, earlier in the season, probably maybe like June-ish, was uh, a pool that was only reportedly losing water with a pump running, which points towards, as you know, a pressure site issue. So right. company calls us in and says, okay, that's, that's our suspect, go after that. There wasn't an issue with that because they did the same thing. They did the isolation test, plugged everything off, pool didn't lose a drop, supposedly. We ended up finding 15 gashes in the liner which for whatever reason in that isolated period of time wasn't showing itself. So that's hmm. why, that's why I swear by complete detection, check everything. Right. Well, again, that's where the leakalizer comes in because yeah. you can initiate one repair to find out that you actually had two issues. Absolutely. And that's where the leakalizer will tell you. It's like, no, you still got a problem. Sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very valuable that weapon because I think that, uh, you know, I mean, just like you said, you want to make sure that when you're leaving that job, everything is everything is taken care of. And then the good thing about it too is, say, if further down the line something else develops, well, you have, I guess, some sort of third party evidence to indicate that when we were out of there, everything was 100. percent Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So I always take pictures of that. I actually learned that technique from a good friend of mine in uh, in Maryland. Uh, Timestamp pictures of that. Timestamp pictures of pressure tests because you run into weird cases. Like I have situations where customers did some work in the backyard. I, I would have been there maybe in, uh, say, May, June, patching up a couple holes in the liner. And then later in the season, they're calling saying they're losing water and a landscaper put a spike through a pipe. So I'm able to say, listen, well, when I was there, this timestamp picture indicates, or these two timestamp pictures indicates the pressure was holding in that line when I was testing it. So this is a new issue. Right. Now, yeah. do you do uh, uh, video tracking in your underground pipes and stuff? I do have that in my camera. Yeah, uh, I'll take pictures of it and, and locate it with the with a scout uh, and all that. I've upgraded my SD cards in my cameras to allow for more, I guess, more length in terms of my uh, my recording capabilities. Yeah. So, so what are you using for video? Like for video, regular endoscope off of uh, Etsy or. Or you're talking, oh, no, no, it's, this is basically, there's, there's two cameras I use, rigid nano reel, which is more suited for the uh, inch and a half piping that we are more commonly using up here. It was, was more, I guess, found more, so to speak. Uh, so rigid nano reel with a Navitrack scout locator, which will pick up the 512 Hertz signal underground to tell you where you are within like an inch. Okay, so there's that one camera there. I have another camera that I just picked up recently. I'm going to try and kind of put it through the paces. Um, I got it somewhere overseas. I'm going to see exactly what, what it does because obviously the nano reel can break on you fairly easily. So, you don't have a problem with the nano reel getting around 90 degree corners and stuff like that? or The good thing about it is actually it's, it's pretty effective in navigating and navigating that. Now, it all depends. Like if you're, if you have ones that are like back to back to back to back, different story. Like I won't try more than say two successively, like within a short, short span. Like say if somebody tried to do a bridge repair, for example, I, I would back away from that because even though, sure, could you, could you be successful 
like in in an attempt sure but i just get too nervous about damaging the camera because uh, mm. i've had i've had to send a couple of them for repair like a good my, my good friend i referenced already from uh, maryland she has backups for her backups and when she told me about that initially i i thought that was that was an exaggeration it's not an exaggeration it's very much a part of the a part of the reality so now personal question yep are you a wetsuit guy or a dry suit guy or the uh, well dry suit when it's called I, if if i can dive the pool without the dry suit then i'm just going to want a bathing suit doesn't matter uh but dry suit more so yeah uh, okay how about think. you rob well i did buy myself a dry <laughs> suit because i'm too fat to fit into a wetsuit successfully <laughs> Uh, you know, I can jump into the air and get stuck on certain days. Um, I, the reason I got the dry suit is because I'm nervous about people's water chemistry. Yeah, good I'm, point. I'm a real, I'm a uh, real pain in the ass when it comes to that. Yeah. Um, so I used to bring test strips and test their water just to make sure that there is sanitizer in there so that I'm not going to get it out of the pool and break it into a red rash all over my body. Um, but the the downside of using a dry suit is it takes two people right because the zippers across the back of your shoulders yeah uh, de depends on which one you get i mean you can get the front zip uh but it is more clunkier the one thing with the with the the dry suits that i've run into is that like i've gone through so many zippers uh every time the, i just got one back from bear uh that was like well he's four or five hundred dollars in repairs so oh yeah they're not cheap no and, and, and that's that's the thing right i i tell customers that you know, for us to put on a dry suit, if the pool is sub 70 degrees, it's an added charge for that main reason, right? Because every single time you use that dry suit, that's one less time you can use it, more susceptible to damage that way, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, dry suit, if it's, if we're talking, yeah, up to 65-ish, close to 70, I'll dry suit it. If not, I'll probably just do a bathing suit, depending if we're like low 70s and I have 20 holes to patch, probably do a dry suit. Yeah. Right. Yeah, just thought I'd do you ask do any one. work? Yeah, that's a good question, Rob. Thank you uh, for asking it. Do you guys do any work in the U.S. at all, or is it, do you pretty much stay in Canada? Are you, you ever get any consulting jobs or jobs down here where they bring you in? Uh, no, mainly mainly do things here. Uh, like yeah. I'm trying to restrict things more closer to home. Just uh, two kids now. I mean, there are you cases. You couldn't get across the border if you wanted to now, but you know, in the past when things were normal. Working on it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's uh, you know, I, I've had opportunities where I've, I've consulted others as well. Like they're gonna yeah. kind of help them get get their you know the ground beneath them type of thing like do because nowadays with things virtually you have so yeah. many different options right there are certain things that you can do like in this type of interaction that can be very beneficial so there has been there has been a bit of that but that's i wouldn't say that's like the main focus there have been customers in different parts uh of north america that don't have like a sleep detection service readily available mm. or in their vicinity so they've called us to kind of consult a little bit that way to ask for tips and advice on how to track things better right not enough to make you know you know what i mean like not enough to make it like a, a main piece yeah you can't really do much over the phone or via zoom yeah yeah so you'd be surprised really you'd be surprised yeah i i've i've solved quite a few leaks over the phone you know, and it's just a matter of asking a Simple couple ones, yeah. Um, you know, providing it's in, it, it's one of those things where people think, oh yeah, it's the liner and it turns out to be an equipment thing. Right. You know, uh, and that's why, like when people phone me, for instance, I ask a million and a half questions because I want to be able to go into the backyard prepared uh, for what I'm going to be looking for. Right. right. That makes sense. So 
so Larry, where where can people find you? Like, I mean, obviously, you know, you're you're probably showing up on Google. You're probably in the phone book. Uh, you know, you're probably uh, highly recommended as far as referencing uh, from existing customers. Yeah. Um, but I mean, are you a member of the Pool and Hot Tub Council of Canada? I put in I put in my application very recently to that. Um, so waiting to hear back from that. I mean, I said the first time I put my paperwork through, it didn't, it didn't make its way there for whatever reason, but I'm, I'm working my way through that pace as well, kind of more so getting out there in the community, taking a lot of courses, meeting a lot of people. Took one, actually, uh, there was a guest that you had on, Rudy Stankowitz, very recently, I believe, on the, uh, on the uh, podcast, who I took two courses with, and I correspond with him once in a while. So he's been, he's been great. Um, yes, Google, yeah, Google's important. Instagram, Facebook, social yeah. media channels. That I think is, is the new, I guess the new push. The new phone book, yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even know what I do with my old phone books anymore if they drop to my door, but yeah. So yeah, that's, that's definitely, yeah, word of mouth I would say is big, especially, especially in my immediate area. So work with a lot of companies and they, they refer or have us go under them in the subcontract situation. And that, that was actually, uh, this is a little bit of a touchy thing maybe, but I mean, are you comfortable working with other pool companies sure. or do other, because up here, everybody is competition. Sure. Um, you know, like, I mean, you can't have, uh, you can't have a conversation without another pool company because they're trying to figure out how to undermine you. Of course. Um, right. You know, so it's hard to establish yourself as being a non-threat to other pool companies do you have any issues with that or no i mean the thing really is really good to deal with you no generally been pretty pretty great uh like i've been pretty happy with how things have gone in the sense that like i don't view them if they're they're just doing like service and all that i don't view them as competition because it's almost like a doctor and like a specialist type of relationship where they do their their piece and then they refer us out for the other part of it so we work hand in hand i don't view them necessarily as competition the see the thing is like I, I do know what you're saying in terms of obviously the types of questions and this and that and undermining but you would it more the other way around <clears throat> because it's been my experience you know it's right. like odd uh, we're we're totally stuck and now we have no other options we're gonna have to call in rob right you know and then i go in and i find the problem and i solve it right away but i'm still the enemy you know what i mean like i'm because you know too much yeah well, you know, they don't want me stealing their customer, right? Because, yeah, right. right. Uh, but you, well, it's because you do general, you do all the other service stuff, right? You do yeah. all the other stuff. Yeah. Right. Whereas, whereas I don't. So, I mean, I used to, so I bring that value to the table because yeah. I mean, sure, will, will a customer ask for like some advice in terms of this or that? I mean, if they're not dealing with a, with a company, I can either put them in contact with one, which is where they benefit from my, from my contact. Right. Uh, but no, I, I can't say that. No, I wouldn't say that that runs into, I mean, if I was doing what you're doing, then yeah, I could, I could see as to why that would right, That's different. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't see that here. What do you think the biggest myth is in pool detection, Larry, if you were to somebody ask you that question, what do you, what would you say the biggest myth is? So there, there's a couple I've got in my head. Uh, the first one would be about evaporation, right? So the main thing is, well, pools only evaporate when it's hot out. That's not, that's not bang on at all, right? So, I mean, sure, the pool's probably gonna get used more, more splash out. I know in July this past year, like my kids were in the pool quite often and my son has a tendency of shooting his water gun into the neighbor's backyard. Boom, boom. <laughs> uh, so, and I'm telling you, like, I, I kid you not, I probably had to fill that pool up, I'm gonna say in two and a half weeks, about six times. 
Okay, like easily, <laughs> right? Now, what was happening this year was obviously everybody was home because of COVID. The pools became their go-to piece for entertainment and pools were open earlier. Robbie probably noticed this too. April, May, where typically they would have been open a little bit later than that, still very cold out. The air is very cold, low humidity. Uh, you're running into cases where they're heating their pools in the 80s, high 80s. That accelerates it. So we had a lot of questions and a lot of calls and, and, and false alarms pulled early in the season because of that. And that's where, where Rob was mentioning about all the questioning in the beginning where you kind of, for me, I use as an opportunity to sift what is an actionable lead and what is not because if I get a customer that tells me that they're heating their pool at that, uh, at like what I was mentioning those, in those conditions, I'm going to have them go through a couple more tests, like bucket testing, pump, 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 pump testing before I get out there, whatever the case is, just to make sure that this is worthwhile for myself and for the customer. So evaporation for sure. I mean, I always tell customers and, and, and others that, uh, like I think of humidity as like, a, as like a towel, right? The drier it is, is when it's going to absorb the most amount. Right when it's wet, it's not going to. So that beginning season, end of season, a lot of calls in September with customers that uh, I've dealt with in the past who who feel that the pool is losing water. Same situation I was mentioning from earlier in the season, and uh, yeah, it's like it's like post traumatic leak disorder. Like once you have a leak one <laughs> one time, you're looking almost every day to say, oh, eighth oh, of an inch. I got a leak. Yeah, I got to call. Got to call them back. Yeah, so that's 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 what happens. So that's one myth. Another myth I would have to say is, a lot of times, customers and even pool companies assume the pool is leaking. There's only one leak. You find the one leak, you're good to go. Truth is, yeah, that might be the situation. But the way that we always kind of approach it is that we suspect every single part of that pool is leaking, regardless of what is, regardless of what the observations are, right? So. I mean, there've been many times we come and we find the major issue within 15 minutes, not even. The rest of the time is being spent to make sure that there aren't any other issues because you might have, yeah, your main issue that's causing you an inch a day, but then you have a secondary or tertiary issue, maybe a small little pinhole in the liner that you don't notice, I guess, in 24 hours when you're doing your pump on and pump off observation, but when your pool is closed over the winter, that's when you, that's when you have that show itself, right? So a lot of times you might get customers, oh, it's, it's, it's gotta be this, just test that. And you're only, you know, there's only going to be one problem. Well, it's, it's obviously, it's good to have the observational piece and all that, but that's obviously very valued. But the other part of it is to back that up with the, the analysis and, the, and, and, and all that too. So that would be another one. Uh, another one I would say would be, you know, oh, don't, don't, test, don't test this, it was just replaced. Don't test the liner, it was just replaced. It's fine, don't worry about that in front of that more often than you would think. And for a different number of reasons as well, just because something is brand new doesn't mean that it doesn't warrant testing, right? right. New pools leak, it, it, it just, it happens for different reasons. So that's why if we going in, it's, it's best to attack everything if you can. We had one year, we had uh, eight brand new liners right out of the shop into the pool leaking like sieves, oh, you know, and, uh, of course, they're there. It's like, well, it's a brand new pool. It's, it's only just filled like three days ago. And we're, you know, we're putting in like four inches of water a day. Mm-hmm. We go there to find like a six inch seam separation. You know, yeah, it's covered under warranty. Yeah, they're happy that it's going to get fixed. But the fact of the matter is you just 
like Larry is saying, you can't assume that because it's a brand new liner that that's not the problem. Exactly. Right. And that's, that's a very common, I guess, argument I have to make, right? Because, yeah, yeah. It sh should it be? Should it be a problem? No, it shouldn't be. And I agree with that. Uh, but still, it doesn't mean that just because of that, I'm not, I'm not going to look at it, right? Um, you never know. Like seam separation so, issues, insulation. Yes, absolutely. So what's happening now is we're, we're getting obviously more commercial work. So we're looking at getting more into that and the things. The underwater repair and inspection pieces has been growing and looking to kind of getting more into that as well. Service area wise, I'm happy to keep things more or less where they are. If something comes up that's a little bit further out, that's something that we would tackle beginning season and a season off season, just because obviously we have so much work in your immediate area stuff to, to make your way out to some of these special trips. So that's what I would say would be my main answer to that. So don't worry, I'm not coming to Ottawa. You're, 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 hey, no, that's fine. You're welcome. You're I'm welcome here, man. You can you can catch a bus or a train. You can do more of my equipment. I've I've got it all. Hey, hey well, I've been to Ottawa. I love Ottawa. So if I'm ever over there, we'll definitely grab a coffee for sure. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Are there any new trends or things or new technology that's coming out that you want to highlight, Larry? Or what's what's new in the leak detection world? Anything? Yeah. So I'm seeing like I saw Milwaukee has a new inspection camera. So it seems like it has some interesting features to it. Uh, like I think it was just announced like within like a week or two weeks ago. So I'd, I'd like to see what comes of that and kind of keep my eyes on that. I spoke to a representative from FLIR who they have SI24, which is a, an acoustic imaging camera. So we're in talks to essentially kind of work on like a demo situation because they're not sure if it will work in our, in our situation. So I might be the guinea pig for that, try it out for like a week or so to see if it could work. It's not a cheap tool, but it could be another weapon in the arsenal. So looking at that, a uh, really cool thing, I guess, uh, keep your eyes on is Anderson Manufacturing. They're coming out with uh, an app, a leak reporting app. So very oh. similar to Tap Inspect, which is commonly used for homeowners, uh, or sorry, for homeowners house inspections, I should say, where you have the inspector going around and just kind of ticking off boxes, writing comments, taking pictures. Same idea, but for leak detection specifically. Uh, it's, it hasn't been released yet. It should be out at some point in the future. I know they're working on it very diligently, so I'm very excited to see what happens there. I was a part of uh, a group that did uh, some beta testing on that, so I was using it in the field, which is pretty neat. And then that's, yeah, that's pretty much the main, the main pieces there. So, and for uh, a pool owner then, Larry, for a pool owner who may be listening to this particular podcast, what would you, you know, if they want to know if they have a leak or they're concerned that they have a leak or they think they might have a leak, how do they know? So a couple of things that we can talk about in this first part I, I took from, from Rudy Stankowitz's class was if you do like longitudinal water testing, like you said, keep like a weekly track of what your water tests are. You look at your consumption, your salt consumption, if it's a saltwater pool, if you're continuously adding salt, right? That's one piece. Uh, calcium hardness, obviously if that's dropping, that's a concern. Cyanuric acid as well. So if you're being diligent in, in tracking and, and monitoring your levels that way, uh, that would be that would be one way of going about it. A lot of service companies are really good. Like they'll they'll flag it because they see okay we're going through, you know, three bags of salt a month or whatever the case is. Something's going on here. That's way too much for for evaporation. Obviously, salt wouldn't wouldn't do that, right? So that would be one way to go about it. Uh, if obviously in a couple of weeks pools are going to be open where Rob and I are. If you see your water level is really low at the time of opening, that would red flag it for sure. 
I would say in that situation, take a picture of it or have your service company report that to you, have them take a picture of it in case that uh, you would have to go that route. A lot of pools in my area have sump wells. So they'll have like basically the long tube that goes down into the ground where you can pump out any, any groundwater around the surround of the pool. A lot of them are getting put into fiberglass pools. I have one in my pool, my pool is a vinyl pool and a lot of builders use that method. So if you see water in there, it's probably a good idea to extract it compared to the water chemistry. If you have salt in that water that's outside of the pool, that generally does indicate something. Um, mm. Look for sanitizer levels and all that. The other side is if you're noticing you have a floating liner. So if you have water underneath, uh, for example, under your liner where it's kind of like lifting and, and kind of buckling in, I would say that would, when you're pumping that out, compare that to the, compare that water with the pool chemistry water and see, you know, com uh, comparisons and so on. And then last but not least, bucket testing, pump on and pump off testing in addition to bucket testing. Bucket testing, I would say, I mean, it, it tends to get, I guess, what's the word I want to use? I want to say abused, but I want to say in the sense that it doesn't get done, I guess, to the fullest of its extent. So I always say if, if you're able to, if you're walking steps are the best way to put it, uh, to, to place that bucket. So if you take, for example, standard bucket, put on your top step, second step, if you have to weigh it down with a brick or whatever the case is, fill it up to about an inch from the top. I think that's probably the best way to go. Minimal use, if not no use in the pool would be ideal. And then do your 24 hour on, 24 hour off test and try not to extend it past that point. That would be another step as well. But typically, I mean, an inch a week here is average in terms of just like evaporation in normal conditions. Like I mentioned, in, in July, if I didn't know any better, if I didn't do what I, what I do, I would assume my pool is leaking as well. So expect to see the variance in, in that piece as well, right? Like heavy usage and craziness of kids like my own would, would, would contribute to that. So just keep your, keep your eyes on it and be prepared to kind of put tape marks and, and, and monitor it closely as well. So, cause it's hard to, you can't, you can't put an exact number and say, okay, you live here, you're gonna lose for right. sure this much because of evaporation, 100%. I don't, I don't put hard and fast numbers because I understand every pool is different. I've had cases where our neighbor would say, well, my neighbor hasn't lost a drop since whatever, but I lost an inch last week, what's going on? And lo and behold, it's just because of different exposure and so on and so forth, different shelter methods, uh, like fencing. Mm. Yeah, that's, yeah Mary's running her pool at 95 degrees and Bill's running his at 70. So yeah, yeah, you know, that's going to change the uh, the way things react. Absolutely. And even, even a lot of times it, it comes into with what we do, you always obviously you want to rely on your own on your own conclusions, your own, your own testing, right? Because yeah, you get you get things that are reported that yeah, sure, maybe that's the case, but until you're able to make a definitive analysis, it's all hearsay. So right, absolutely. Well, this has been good. Rob, do you have any other questions? No, ma'am. I'm good. Well, this has been great, Larry. This is very eye-opening for me. I don't do this every day like you guys do or, you know, every season like you guys do. So it's very important. Anybody who is thinking about doing this, you know, you can certainly go out there and get education. Like Larry mentioned, it's a lot more readily available now, like, like a lot of other things in regards to online stuff mm -hmm. without having to go to a class. So that's something you could do. And then if you want to learn more about Larry's company, you can always go to his website, which is poolboy.pooly.ca. You can go to his website, his phone number's there, his email, if you want to contact him directly, have questions or just, you know, maybe decide you want to have a colleague up in that area in case you go visit. I'm sure Rob would love to see you too in Ottawa if you want to visit Rob up there. 
absolutely anytime <clears throat> yeah ottawa is a great city if you've never been to ottawa it's, it's wonderful it's beautiful beautiful, beautiful city. yeah actually touching back on what larry said about your markers in your swimming pool your calcium your salt and your cyanuric acid that's actually what one of the reasons because we do in-house testing so usually i know that people have a leak in their pool before they do just because those markers are telling me but you don't get that unless you do regular testing so right. if you're a homeowner regularly test your water and keep the piece of paper that they give you i i can't stress that enough you know it's like well where's your last water your last water report uh <laughs> <laughs> when you say regularly you're talking once a week <clears throat> okay so our program does every two weeks okay but yeah, I mean, you know, once a week, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Most of the pool stores offer free testing. So it's not like it's going to cost you an arm and a leg to get it tested on a regular basis. Um, but again, even if you do it twice a week, even if you do it once a month, you're establishing a record. Yes. So if you're consistently losing these, these chemicals that can only be lost by draining or losing water. Yeah. Uh, if, if it, you know, like it's, it's like a snowball thing. It's never going to reduce. It'll only increase if you have a leak. Yeah. So, you know, regular testing, keep an eye on those values. If you don't understand those values, ask your pool store. They'll be happy to tell you. Um, again, most of the time, by the time a customer realizes they have a leak, they're, they're already scratching their head and they're saying, well, what's going on? Darn. Yeah. yeah. Because even a small leak is a very expensive thing. Because you're not only losing that water, but then you have to replace the water. So you've lost the heat that's in that water as well. Now you have to reheat your makeup water. You have to replace all your chemicals. You have a greater chance of having, say, an algae issue, right? Because you've got unstable water. So even a small leak can turn into a very expensive situation, and you should get it addressed. If you think you have a leak, get it checked. It's, yes. it's worth the money in the long run for sure. Just to piggyback on that, when you're talking about the water testing and the, the documentation behind that, oftentimes, like I, I hear and see that manufacturers, laundry manufacturers, they request that, right? And having that can obviously be more favorable for you because you can say, okay, here's all this. This isn't a water chemistry issue because of X, Y, and Z, because that could potentially be one of their go-tos is that, well, water chemistry issue. That's why you're getting wrinkles. It's why you're getting this, and this is why you're getting that. So having that there gives you another leg to stand on essentially from a warranty standpoint, so. Yeah, good point, good point. Well, thank you so much, Larry, for coming on today. We appreciate it. Thank and you. Rob, thank you so much for being my guest co-host today. You're always welcome. It's always a pleasure to see you, Rob and Larry, again. This has been great, very informative, and we were happy to have you today. A new voice in the industry, a resource for all, education for you. This is Pool Pro Podcast build relationships, and share important news as we get ready for our next backyard adventure. Pool Pro Podcast, backyard adventures are better together. Please take a moment to share, like, and review our content with all of those that would be interested.